0: I'd like you to open your Bible this morning to Luke chapter 21, Luke chapter 21. The recent events in our country this week, the tragedy that's taken place brought me to a place where I sat for a while this week on a couple of occasions to ponder what happened. And like the rest of this country and others in other countries, probably, I wondered why it happened. I wonder what causes things like this to happen. And most of all, though, I wonder how Christians, like myself, how they think about this and how they ponder this, this isn't going to stop. Things like this in this age will not cease. It's a mystery. You never know when these things will happen. But the world has gone beyond a point, to me anyway, where things that were broken can be fixed. Now, that may sound pessimistic to some of you. I'm trying to speak in line with prophecy and with what I understand about the Bible in the last days. And so I want to title my message today, The Day That Is, that's now, and the day that is to come. That's tomorrow or until the Lord comes because the Lord spoke of a particular day. In Luke chapter 21, our text will begin in verse 34. And take heed to yourselves, lest at any time your hearts be overcharged with surfeiting and drunkenness and the cares and the worries and the anxieties and the frustrations Of this life, and so that day come upon you unawares. For as a snare shall it come on all them that dwell on the face of the whole earth. Watch, therefore, and pray always that you may be accounted worthy to escape all these things that shall come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. Watch. And pray always, he said, because there is a day that is coming. Now, your Bible says that. In other words, things are going to happen. We're going to be confronted, whether here or there, it's going to come. And it's something that you should pray about, how you cope with it, how you deal with it, how you're affected by it, or how you affect it. Because it may determine on whether or not you're able to stand before the son of man overcome and so forth now notice about this day this day that he speaks about he said you need to take heed in our text here verse 34 you need to take heed because your life can get so bored with religion that you're looking for something exciting different unusual or some new interest in your life. And you can get involved in the world, and it's ways it offers so much. Places to go, things to see, new inventions and new products. And you can make money now and go to these places and have all of these things. And and the danger, the warning is that you can get so involved with the world, you don't forget your religion. You don't forget what you've learned. You don't abandon that. But it's no longer the primary motivation and focus in your life because you allow other things to come in and take the command of your will and your time and your attention. And you get distracted. You begin to mingle with things that you once wouldn't have mingled with and think in ways that you would not have once allowed yourself to think. And your life begins to drift, to shift. It begins to go in a slightly different direction, but you can't tell it. But it just begins to change. And it says that you can become overcharged. Well, he talks here about drinking and stuff. I wouldn't think that would be a problem with you, but the cares of this life could happen to any of us. Because as you know, cares has to do with things that bother us, things that just frustrate us and things that... What am I going to do? By, oh, no, now what a phone call. This is going, oh, no. And seems like it doesn't stop. It doesn't come every day. It doesn't come all the time, but it comes, those kind of moments. Or maybe it's money talk in the family or job is lost. It's just something, things that cause us to become concerned with the cares of this life. Sometimes we forget that God has already taught us how to deal with that and we didn't really pay attention to it. It wasn't needed at the time. And then when we do need it, we can't remember it. So it's not like we're calling upon the Lord to help us because in the opposite, we're either looking to man or wringing our hands or something. How are we going to work on this? Now, he said this can happen. And he mentions it here in verse 34 that this is one of the things that comes with the day. The day that comes unawares, cares of this life. And in verse 35, he says it comes like a snare. It's like a trap that springs on you and it gets you. And the sad thing about it is you really don't know what to do about it. Now, these are signs. We don't talk like this about signs as much, but these are some of the indicators of the last days. These are some of the things that we're told. And verse 36, he says that we should pray always that we may be accounted worthy to escape all these things. So again, we're going to confront all the things that deter and defeat, dissuade, persuade, cause us to lose the big battle. We're not exempt from it. All these things are going to confront us individually, each one of us. Because behind everything that turns you away from God is a devil. And he goes about like a roaring lion, seeking that person who is involved and doesn't know how to get out. Just as the eyes of the Lord run to and fro also throughout the whole earth, seeking those whose hearts are perfect toward him, that he, God, may show himself strong in that person's life. That's the way we should be. We're confronted. We have to deal with it. We don't like it, but we deal with it. We overcome it because we've already been given everything we need to fight with. We'll get to that at the end. But if we don't listen now, if we don't pay attention now, if we're not alert now, as he called here, watchful, if we're not like that now, then these things do come upon us unawares. It's not like you haven't been taught or we haven't been taught. We have. It's just that we haven't listened and taken to heart the things that God has said. These things weren't happening now. I'm doing well now. I'm well now. Everything is okay now. All the bills are paid. We're happy now. And, you know, that's a good message. Praise the Lord, preacher. And then next year, though, it's a little different because things unusual begin to happen. This is when Christians are put to the test to find out, have you hidden the word in your heart or was it just a word that you entertained in your mind? And how you do with what's going on will depend on how you do with the Word of God. All a man can do is teach. All any man, if he's sent from God at all, all he can do is teach. All he can do is explain to you what the Lord shows him. You can disagree with a man because he's the same as you are. But if we investigate what we hear... Like the noble Bereans, if we check out the Scriptures, see if what we've heard is true, then we can't argue with that. Like Isaiah said, if whoever is speaking speaks not according to the Word, there's no light in that person. And, and you're exempt from following that. You better be. But if they speak according to the Word, then you need to heed it. Now, it's by heeding the Word that our strength comes. Be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Let me give you a translation, another one. I don't approve of all of these. It just happens to be on the computer. This is another translation of verse 36, Luke 21, 36, part of that verse. Pray that you may be fully strengthened to escape from all these coming evils. Now, think of it. Everything you need to be strong has been given to you. You would agree with that. You holding in your lap the power of God. That's what he gives you that you can depend on that he will watch over to perform. You don't need any more than that. You don't need any signs, wonders, or miracles. You've got his word. That is as high as you can get. That is the best there is. You don't need anything to confirm it. It's already been confirmed. It's there. Now, that's our strength. I'm not ashamed of the gospel, Paul said, for it is the power of God. It is. It's the word of his power is called. And so the power that we need to be strong has already been given to us. Now, here's what it said. This one translation says, he said, pray that you may be fully strengthened, counted worthy in the King James, pray that you may be fully strengthened to escape from all these things that are coming. It doesn't mean that you won't have to deal with these things. But like the verse in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, God will not allow you to be tested beyond that which you're able, but will with the temptation provide a way of escape. Why? So that you can bear it. You're not going to get out of it. You're going to go through it. You're going to deal with it. It's a part of the process. It's part of that refiner's fire. It's part of that... Difficulty that proves us. So it's coming. We're warned about it. We're told specifically what's coming. I mean, the Bible points out even the signs of the time, how it's going to happen, the people that are going to be involved. We're told all of this. We've been told for centuries that the Scripture is full of warnings that point to the end time and what Christians ought to do about it. We should never fail. We should never fall. We should never be defeated. We should always escape intact from whatever comes our way because the weapons that have been given to us are sufficient. And yet, you know as well as I do, multitudes of Christians fall apart when darkness comes. Why they do, I don't know other than you didn't really listen you really didn't pay attention, or you set it aside as meaningless as though you didn't need it. And when the time came that that's the only weapon you've got, the only thing God watches over to perform is not your emotional outbursts, oh, God, it's his word. And if you don't have that and you're depending on your feelings, well, there's no strength in your feelings. Again. Here's another translation, that you may be strong enough to come through all these things. So you pray about this. It becomes a priority in your life. As we walk into the last days, days never stop. They just keep going. So we're going with them. We're going into the end time. The last days, it's here. It's already started. But we must walk in these things and realize that when the big one comes or when the little ones come, We have to be strong because we must escape. We must overcome that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things. You know, that day that Jesus spoke of, look in verse 25. There shall be signs in the sun and in the moon, stars. We're already getting prepared for this with all these really nutsy ignorant movies and video games about space creatures. Why people would entertain themselves with such nonsense, I don't know. But these things, I don't know how you would describe them. I do think it's maybe some of the things that John saw in his vision that he couldn't describe, just that they had faces like this. It might be all of this stuff. This world is infatuated with computer technology and its ability to transfer images and make things that aren't real look real, and kids are so caught up in that that they're losing their mind playing a role in video games. They're becoming unfit for society because they they can't think normally. they got to think like that game does, and they think there's somebody they're not. They're living a life that's not even real, some of them, a few. So he said, there's going to be signs. And I'm sure when Jesus comes and the saints come with him, he comes back to this earth. He said in John 5, every eye will see. I'm sure they'll think, oh, I remember this game. It's like it won't even be a great surprise. They'll just get ready to do whatever they have to do with it. We're living in that hour. The whole design of this hour is in preparation for the coming of our Lord. Look at what he said in verse 25 again. He said, Upon earth, distress of nations with perplexity, the sea and the waves roaring. Look at verse 26. Men's hearts failing them for fear. Men's hearts. One of the biggest problems in the health system today is the heart of men. It's just distress. The strain, the anxiety, the cares of this life is taking this toll on the people. And then it says in verse 27, they shall see the Son of Man coming. Then he warns us again in our text. Folks, you need to pray that you're going to be accounted worthy, be strong, strong enough to handle and cope with the last days because it is coming. It is on its way. And if you're not paying attention now, that day will come up on you like a trap. And you'll be snared by it. You won't know what to do. And like the rest of the world, as hearts failing them, yours will fail too. It shouldn't be like this. Because, again, we've already been warned about all this. We've been told about all of these things. This is what we're supposed to be ready and prepared for. So the question is, will you escape? How many of you know that Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount that the way that leads to life is narrow? Straight is the gate. Narrow is the way that leads to life. And few there be that find it. What a difficult verse. Not everybody that says, Lord, Lord is going to enter into the kingdom. We've learned to say the right things. God knows we've been to enough meetings. We've taken enough notes, listened to enough Messages on electronic recordings. God knows that the church in this hour has been flooded with information. All you want, as much as you want, it's been there. All the warnings, all the preparations, this is how you'll know, this is what you ought to do, this is how you overcome it. It's all yours, church, and all of this is designed not for the world, but for you few in this world is going to get it. And yet, not all of them will make it. Isn't that amazing? I think it's one of those verses that make you think, Lord, who's going to make it? We'd like to think because the most popular of our TV and radio personalities says everybody's going to make it. If you held your hand up in a meeting, you're going to heaven. It doesn't matter. And yet there's so much in here that says, no, that's not exactly the way it works. It may begin with that with some people, but that's not what got you there. So we want to look this morning at the end. I want you to turn to 2 Timothy chapter 3, if you will. In light of what has happened in our country with the tragedy in Colorado, let me begin here today and lead up to that, and then have a few comments, and I'll let you go home. I just wanted to give you something to think about today. 2 Timothy chapter 3. And verse 1, this know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. Now, this message is not for the world. It's for us. You are to know this. It is for you to know that perilous times shall come. Now, look up the word perilous in the dictionary, and it has to do with violent times, hard to bear, distressing, wild, difficult savage. These are the words that various scholars use to describe the word perilous, a time that is coming. I believe it's here. I believe it has come. See, I was born a long time ago and things were so much different a long time ago than they are now that the way things are now are not things I get used to. Some of you that are born in the midst of all of this, you're used to it. The language, the vulgarities, and nudity, and the immodesty, you get used to it. I haven't. It still bothers me greatly because this is not right. How did it come? Young folks today think, us older folks, why don't you all just get with it? We think to you, why don't you get away from it? It's death. This will destroy you. This is a part of that end-time system of corruption. But if you can't see that, you'll never escape it because you'll see no reason to come away from it. And yet, I can say in my lifetime, I have watched the trend shift from a peaceful society, more or less, to a wild, unclean, out-of-control drug-infested, mentally out-of-whack society. I'm seeing it at the people who burned the campuses on our universities down. I remember in Kent State when they burned that ROTC building down there and then President Nixon had a thing about dealing with Cambodia and there was such a protest over that and burned a building down. I remember at the time I thought, what is wrong with everybody? This is in the 60s. This is when the Beatles come along. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is when Elvis said, you ain't nothing but a hound dog. I mean, this was in a time when everybody was trying to find something crazy to do. Like society had been restrained from doing its own thing and being yourself for so long that now we can get loose, buddy. We can live together And, you know, the people in that day are presidents now. University presidents, national presidents, senators, and representatives. They've come into the controlling, ruling. Look at the condition of our world. I can see how it happened. I can see the mental shift of 45 years ago. And the destruction that's taking place today that is so advanced, I don't think it can be fixed. I really don't. I'm not one of those who thinks that everything's just going to turn out great. I think evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse. Anyway, as I was saying, this perilous time that has come, verse 2, men shall be lovers of their own selves. Covetous, they never have enough, do they? Boasters, you've seen these athletes tell how great they are? Proud, blasphemers who love to use vulgarities publicly, disobedient to parents, we all know what that means. I've heard kids sass their parents to their face. I saw a kid take a swing at his mother once at a prison. I thought, you'll be in here in a few years. I've seen kids slap their parents' hand away when they made them stop, shove them back. I think these parents, you know, you're going to lose that child because that child can't live long. God made one promise that has long life, and that was to honor your parents. And when you want to go behind their back, sneak out, lie to them, deceive your parents, you can't live a long life. You can live a while and think you're doing good, but sadly... Well, there's a promise that says you won't. I'm just saying what the Bible said. Unthankful, unholy, without natural affection. Now, that especially has to do with abortion because it has to do with family love, astorgos, affection for the family. And when people turning on their families, brothers against brothers, mothers against children, children against their parents, it's a sign of the last days. Matthew chapter 10, Jesus said fathers will turn on their children, children will turn on their fathers, they'll turn them in and betray each other. It's a sign of the end. It's happening right now. And he goes on to say, traitors, verse 4, despises those that are good, fierce, Traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God, whatever that means. (laughs) You know what that means. Given the chance, people will miss church easily to have fun. Easy to have fun. Go somewhere to have fun or go to church, they're going to go have fun. You can always go to church. It's the last day. This is what the Bible says. Verse 7, ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. But they've been to church so much. They usually are religious. Some of them are. But they're not able to do the things that God wants them to do because they can't remember it. They can't keep it in their heart. They have eyes to see. They can't see. They have ears to hear, but they can't hear. They heard it, but they can't hear it. They saw it, but they can't see it. It doesn't make sense. When you see it, it means you perceive it. You understand it. If you can't understand what was said, then you don't receive what was said. Only God can give that. And if the heart isn't interested, then they don't get it. That's why the things you've heard that could have mastered your situation and brought you through the victory, it didn't bring you through because you couldn't hear it when you heard it. Folks, God is not mocked. What a man sows... A man will reap. You sow indifference, you'll get it. So, in light of all the things that are happening today and things that we identify as the end of time, like the Bible shows us here, let's look at some things that are going on in this world, and then I want to end with what we as Christians do about it. Let's take terrorism. Terrorism. People who want to hurt and maim and use violence to impair, destroy, or hurt other people. Do it sneaky, you know, sneak up on people, plan these things, plant bombs. Plus all these other things. You have suicide bombers today. Whoever heard of somebody who had no value to his human life, other than to strap himself with explosives in order to kill other people and himself at the same time. Suicide is like self-murder. You murdered yourself. You're the temple of God. You belong to God, and yet you took your own life. Now, you did that usually for some religious principle that if you can destroy enough people, then you get credits from some so-called god. There are religions in this world, in this hour, that promote that. They tell their adherents that if you will put these bombs on yourself and go do this and blow up as many Christians or Jews that you can, then you will get a reward in heaven. And heaven is a sexual place because what you get there is 70 virgins. Now, that's not hard for me to translate and try to figure that out. Oh, boy. Now, the women's suicide, I don't know what they get. You know, the women's suicide bombers, they sure wouldn't want 70 men. So I don't know what they get. Maybe a computerized kitchen or something. I don't know what they get. See, I come from an old school. What kind of religious poison can so affect a human mind to think like that? What kind of God would have you do that? A God who destroys not only his own people, but who wants to kill other people. Islam, they say, is a peaceful religion. You couldn't prove that to me. What's peaceful about it? The people that blew up the Twin Towers, they weren't Baptists. There wasn't a bunch of Methodists come out of a Methodist convention and decide we're going to blow up the Twin Towers and the Pentagon and and whatever else they could. They were of another religion, another culture. They have a God that tells them that if you do this, then you get all these rewards. And I'm thinking, if you get such a wonderful reward, why don't you that are telling them what to do, why don't you do it and get the reward yourself? Why didn't Mr. Bin Laden, why didn't he destroy himself? Why did he wait so long? It doesn't take long to figure out. There's people telling people things to do that can't be told what to do. There are people that can't be controlled. Religion does control people. And these people become terrorists. You don't know who they are because they look like us, except for that, I guess, that Mediterranean, that cultural look. See, I believe in profiling. If I was at the airport and I saw me and Bonnie coming, I'd. <laughs> if I saw Mrs. Wilder coming, I'd say, go on through. You don't need to walk through that machine. Don't take your shoes off. Just get your bag and go on. I could look at a lot of people and say, go on. No, 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 get them to here. You're not a terrorist. But there's some that, where are you from? And they told me one of those Middle Eastern countries, I'd say, over there. Get behind the screen, disrobe, take your clothes off, empty your bag. I want to check you out because that's where all of our trouble came from. It wasn't a gun that killed people. It wasn't guns and cartridges and bullets or ammunition of any sort that killed people in 9-11. It was airplanes and the designs of evil men that did that. And I know today wherever they went, I know where they went, they're not happy campers because there wasn't anybody there like a virgin. There might have been a bunch of other people there that like them, but they're not happy campers. We're living in a day in which this doesn't make sense. Load up a car full of bombs. It wasn't guns that killed all those people in Oklahoma City in 1995, it was a truck full of explosives that killed 160-plus people and injured 680 more. And it wasn't some foreign country. It was one of our own. This is a strange age that we're in. People's anger and hatred and revenge is so deep that they're willing to destroy human life, even innocent children. 16 children died in that Oklahoma City bombing. one or two died just last week. Why a mother would take a 6-year-old and a 3-year-old to see Batman at 12 o'clock at night, I don't know, but that's not normal. I can hear my mother now. Well, you know, when I was in high school, we only had one theater in town, the Renfro Theater, showed one movie a week on Saturday. And on Saturday, you got the newsreel of the week, you got the cartoon, you got the coming attractions, you got the feature film, and it's over for a week. So there wasn't any Batman. We had Batman comic books. But things have changed so much. I know, I know. I'm of an old, crotchety generation that is so far removed from modern inventions. (laughs) I know that. I, I understand that. But the things that are happening today, it is really true that evil men and seducers are truly waxing worse and worse. Evil men are getting worse, thinking of worse things to do, how more people can be destroyed, poisoning water so that they drink it and die, blowing up things and adding to the blowing up process chemicals that will poison people. I think. why do you want to do that? What have we done to you? We haven't done anything to you. It's just somebody told you that we're evil and we should be destroyed. We're living in a day. I mean, it doesn't have to make sense because we do draw back and say, why are you thinking like that? What kind of a dumb religion do you believe in? And there's millions of them. I think, Lord, what kind of time are we in? Just this week in Colorado, I mean, at this Batman show, people were killed, shot. Just some intelligent medical student just started shooting them, bang, bang, bang. Columbine, remember the Columbine in Littleton, Colorado, in 1999? Twelve students were killed. Just walked up to them, the two boys. That though all of their excuses for why they were like that, bang. Bang, 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 bang. Kill them. Our children. Our children hadn't done anything to them. Our daughters. Our sons. In a cafeteria, in a library. A teacher standing in a hallway trying to protect people. I mean, and bang, you shoot him too. Shoot him. They, why? Who poisoned you like this? What has happened? Has the system so been corrupted that it's affecting the weaker minds like this in our society? And we can't point them out because we don't know who they are yet. And all of a sudden, they emerge one day and they do these dastardly things. What's happened? You know, Virginia Tech in 2007, a young Oriental fellow killed 32 people and wounded 17. Just went into classrooms, started shooting the same thing. What's wrong with these people? Well, obviously it's demonic. It is a perilous time. Life has changed in our country. To go to ball games, football games, the Super Bowl, they said you had to go through a machine to go to the Kentucky Derby. You gotta go through a machine because there's this possibility that somebody's gonna blow up somebody. And there's a kind of fear, a kind of uncertainty. A kind of mistrust of humankind. And we look around and we wonder, well, you know, why is he wearing that raincoat? Maybe we should tackle him. And it's just a time that has never been like this. There's never been a time in all of life that's like the time that we're in right now. When I was teaching school in 1966, there was a at the University of Texas, a shooter up in a tower there shot and killed 16 people and wounded 32 others. And I remember at the time thinking, what? From that time on, as I said beginning here, that things started happening. It never happened before. Well, there was a, a bunch of school kids killed in 1927, but that was so far long ago. But, but you know, nobody was born in 27. Okay, nobody was around in 1927. <laughs> You're the only one any here older than I am. These things happen. I think, how can this be? I remember the first time I heard a bad word in the movies with Gone with the Wind. And whenever he said, frankly, my dear, I don't care, he said in the movie. And I remember I put my hand, and we looked at each other, um, can I get there. And now... It, they use that on evening news. I mean, people in interviews use vulgarities and or blasphemies. There's one fellow in the TV system. He is so vile. I'm not even gonna mention his name. I don't even want to dignify his particular name by mentioning it, but he is so vile. He speaks such vulgar things about God and religion. But his day's coming. What I'm saying is, I'm watching things emerge in society. A poison that's kind of invading society, rendering us no longer keen about right and wrong, but throwing our hands up. Well, do you know, to each his own? I guess if that's what they want to do, that's what they want to do. In politics, you know, you see all these politicians making all these great promises. I know it's judgmental to say this, but sometimes you think, you don't even mean that. And then you see another, hear another thing about when the mic was on and they didn't know it. And some of the things that they said, it was just terrible. You know, the preacher one time who's pleading, send those letters back. And I traced the palm of my hand on the letter I sent you. And I want you to take your offering. And I want you to lay it on that palm and put your hand over mine. I want you to just believe God for a hundredfold return. Oh, God. And you send it back to me and I will take all of your letters and all of your requests and I'll lay on them and pray all night and all that. And somebody had a hidden camera when all this mail came in, the big sack loads of it and they would... Opened the letter, I saw this. They opened the letter and take the money out and throw the rest of it in a trash can. They open the letter, get the check out or get the cash out and throw the letter over here and, and throw these away. When confronted with this, <coughs> well, I. <coughs> so you see, you see enough of that stuff. Politicians that are proved to be wrong. One spends his election campaign money to support his girlfriend down yonder, and his wife is dying, and now his girlfriend is pregnant, and he's out here running for vice president. You think, how vile can you be to act like everything is fine, and deep inside you're as dirty as a toilet? You're nasty. You're unclean. You're a deceiver. But see, I can see this. Now, that's always been. There's always been people like that. And I know God knows all about all this stuff. I know that the day's coming he's going to deal with it, whatever he has to, or take in our society. Listen at to that music, don't. <laughs> I still remember the day I stopped on the street corner to go into the dry cleaners over there where the old Kroger's was and the car behind me, he went into the subway or something and His music was on. And, you know, why is it that when people listen to nasty stuff, they want you to listen to it? (laughs) Cranked it up, and it was some, it's not music. It's just fast talking. It's called rap noise. Rap noise. And as I was walking down, I heard a word, and I remember thinking, stop and think, they didn't really say that. And it was a really bad four-letter word, and he used it several times. And I thought, isn't that against the law? Can they really make a record and say those vulgar? They don't hint around anymore. Let me tell you how much has changed. When I was in high school, but when I was in high school, There was a song that was banned, I think, up in Boston about a young man and his girlfriend who went to the movie theater and fell asleep at the uh, drive-in theater. Wake up, little Susie. Remember, wake up. Oh, what are they going to say? Wake up, little Susie. Wake up. Remember that? Oh, see, I can't forget it. I I remember that. And the story was about what's everybody going to say. We fell asleep, and they're going to say, yeah, ooh, la, la. And they banned that song because there's a suggestive innuendos in it. Now, that's when I was in high school, in high school. And some of you young folks just said, well, that's dumb. It's dumb to you because you were born in the midst of this filth. And it is your parents' responsibility to explain to you why it's not right and why you should not listen to it not that you can't but why you should not and we've let it go because they're just kids they're your offspring they are capable of perishing from off of this earth and going to a place called hell And it just may be that at that moment before they enter into those dark chambers, they'll look back and find you, if you made it, and ask you, why didn't you warn me about this place? And you said, because I was scared of you. I didn't want you to give me another one of those fits, and I just, instead of fighting you and counting you worth fighting for, I just let you have your way. And now you perish. It's in your mind. You're thinking. You get thinking like the world. The cares of this world, they begin to control your thinking. Look at the entertainment today. It's all about sex, just sex. If it doesn't have sex in it, if you advertise it, if you drink it, or if you eat it, it's advertised somehow or another with sex. And entertainment today glamorizes single parents, babies out of wedlock, did you know that there are so many children born out of wedlock today that there are kids in some parts of this country that have never seen a wedding? It's like wedding. What's that? And the Bible speaks of in the last days. There's going to come a day they're going to forbid to marry. Why marry? And again, I remember back in the dark ages. Two people doing that together called please. You weren't allowed to do that. That wasn't a decent thing to do. And there was decency then. And It's all changed. That's why I'm standing here this morning telling you, having lived in two different times, the time I grew up in and the time that we're in now. And I look at this time and I see the transition and the change and the corruption that has come with it and the unsolvable problems that are in so many people's lives, especially in the church. And don't know what to do with it. How do you deal with this? Colorado thing this week. I did ask myself, what do you say about all of this? Because I start thinking, look at how many other times things like this have happened. What do you say? You look at the people today, the most famous golfer in the world, and, and you learn later about all his multiple escapades and the nastiness of it all. Why would any kid want his nasty picture on their wall? Or why would a parent let them put it there? Yank it down. Oh, they wouldn't like that. I wouldn't either. But there's such a glamorizing of the wrong people. People who dress kinky, who dress dumb looking, showing what you got, Tattooing what you got so they look at it longer? Look at drugs in our society. Oh, we need jobs. We need jobs. The reason people don't get a lot of jobs is because they can't pass the drug test. They can't pass it. It was so much fun to be cool. (laughs) Whatever they do. Then they want to get a job and... They come in with all these tattoos and body piercings and rings and hooks and stuff, which I guess is cool in that glazed look. I want a job, man. <laughs> and you're looking at somebody who's going to represent your company and you say, boy, I'd love to have you work for me. See <laughs> so what's your name? Um it was let me get my water. <laughs> They can't pass drug tests. They graduate from high school unable to read the application forms. What does this word mean? With a college degree? I went to school with a couple of guys from college, and I just learned that one of them has died. But I really don't know how he graduated from college. I don't because he wasn't very smart at all, but he made a lot of money. Car dealer. Car dealer knew something about that college was just a time like with me to play basketball that's all it was then one day you realize you got to leave this place and go do something else he wasn't going to teach school i thought i was and i did they passed us they let you by they give you a grade i've heard today and i probably get this wrong so just take it with a grain of salt that in our grade schools today, two plus two doesn't have to equal four anymore because if it was four and somebody put down five, oh, you missed it. Oh, you got it wrong. I'm not very smart. Two plus two is eight. That's good. Whatever you want it to be. What's happened? You want your kids to grow up dumb? What kind of a mind is behind the people that write the textbooks and the people who inspire the teachers and the people who hire the teachers to tell them to do that to our children? I don't want my children to grow up to, well, they're all grown anyway now, but I wouldn't want them to grow up like that. Talking about sexual problems today in our country, which is epidemic, I remember when they began sex education. And they were explaining in classrooms how children can have safe sex with each other, demonstrating various things so that children, while they're snickering and giggling, could learn how to do this and not become pregnant. I think, what? I mean, when I first heard it, I thought, this is no, 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 no. This is on the level with abortion. When I heard of abortion, I thought, no, no way. Can you ever allow people to abort children because they don't want them or because it interferes with their nightlife? No, I'm not ready for a kid yet. You're ready to play, aren't you? You know how to stop all this? Vote for me. <laughs> Every out of birth conception costs you $2,000. If you can't pay it, it's a dollar a day in a jail. And the boy that did it, it's 3000 bucks. same deal. If you do it again, we triple the prices. And you that fathered that child, you will take care of this child until they're 18 years old with one half of whatever money you make. Now, the next time you think you want to father a child, you better think of the consequences. You see, I wouldn't be able to do that because this liberal society that we, oh, that's not fair, you're living in that age. Sex education. I remember going to back to my alma mater, Moorhead, once, and going into one of the dorms there that was now a co-ed dorm. Now, I knew what that meant, but I was trying to play it a little. You know, I said, what? What, uh, 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 what? Co-ed. Translate. You know, boys on one floor and girls on another. You really think that'll work? Do you think they know how to sneak? Do do, 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 do. Do you think they know how to do that? Of course they do. Did they? Of course they did. And you hear later all of these stories about the orgies and the escapades they have in our dorms with us paying all of that money for tuition while they're doing that. Who said they could do that? What political figure in some office Design such a corrupt thing as that for our kids to go to an institution of higher learning to lead this country as the next generation but teach them, first of all, how to live like that. That's wrong. You don't do that. That's not right. It was disturbing to me when I was in Israel. You know, the girls are in the army over there. Whoever heard of girls in combat? Oh, we're tough as y'all. No, you're not. Thank you. All girls in the Israeli army are allowed two abortions. They're in the army for two years. That's just accepting the fact this is going to happen. There's no restraints. I don't care what country you're in. Israel is not a religious place anyway. It's the home of where our religion began, but they're not religious people. They wouldn't have any major convictions about that. It's the last days. This kind of filth is coming in our society. Are we strong enough, are you strong enough to resist it and to overcome it and not be caught by it? Or will you just cave in to its pressure on you to conform and just sort of give in to it? Are you going to be like those who talk about morality as, well, The difference between right and wrong is what you're doing and what time you're doing. This age, What was wrong back in the 40s might not be wrong in the 90s. Who said? I can tell you something that's right all the time. That's the Word of God. If you can't believe that, how could you be a Christian? And if you were a Christian and you didn't believe the Word was always exactly right, no matter what age, how could it ever work for you? Somebody's already poisoned you against that this is what you need, some Sunday school class, some teacher, some liberal church, some preacher, some well-meaning friend. Somebody's already talked you out of the very things that God holds dear to his heart, things that are holy, and we've let them go. Religious corruption. You know, I talk about this all the time, so I don't want to labor the point, but I do want you to turn to Jeremiah 23 because Jeremiah 23 is about religious corruption. Almost the whole book is explaining why God is going to judge these people and send them off into Babylon. And there's so much in this chapter, we can't read all of it. But look with me at verse 16. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, hearken not unto the words of the prophet that prophesy unto you. Notice they make you vain. You know what the word vain means? You know what it means. It means useless, ineffective. The people became so vain spiritually that they said, get you out of the way of this holy one of Israel. Quit talking about him. Prophesy smooth things. Remember that? Prophesy illusions. Magic is an illusion, you know, a slide of the hand. It doesn't have to be real. Just prophesy something besides Jesus Christ. Talk about something besides the almighty God and his way. Give us something else. That's what they said. And he said the people that cave into that, like so many preachers do today, when they get through with you and what you believe, he said, they make you vain. You're useless. They make you vain. He said so in verse 16. They speak a vision of their own heart and not of the mouth of the Lord. Yet they still say unto them that reject me or despise me, the Lord has said you shall have peace. And they say unto everyone that walks after the imagination of his own heart, no evil shall come upon you. Listen to this. For who has stood in the counsel of the Lord and who hath perceived and heard his word? Who has marked his word and heard it? Verse 22, he said, if they had stood in my counsel and had caused my people to hear my words, then they should have turned them from their evil way. They would have been delivered from what came upon them. In Luke 21, 36, they would have been strong enough to resist and overcome and not be snared by the hour, the wicked hour of the last day that they were in. They would have escaped. They would have escaped. They would have escaped if you had told them what I told you to say. Oh, they won't like it. A lot of them won't. They murmur and fuss about it. But if they're marked out for salvation, they'll get it. They'll get it, and they'll be saved, and they'll overcome. Again, evil men and seducers, they will wax worse and worse. And in the last days, we're told that there'll be seducing spirits. First Timothy 4, 1 Timothy 4.1, in the latter days, a spirit speaketh expressly, there shall be false doctrines and these seducing spirits. Seducing spirits. What is a seducing spirit? You can't see it. You can't put your finger on it. It's the working of an agent of Satan, a spirit, a spirit that has found a place to occupy in a person. They inhabit people. They work in people, evil spirits do. Demons, they call them. Nobody knows much about this today because nobody wants to know. Yet these things are everywhere. Seducing spirits. A spirit whose whole design is to turn you away from the truth and turn you aside into a fable. To talk you out of this narrow way of God and make it broad and big and ever God who is love loves everybody and turn you in a wrong way and snare you. Spirits, demons, evil spirits, they occupy religious palaces as much as anything occupies anything. Some of the spookiest places in the world is an old church building at night. Somebody said, uh, you won't go in there tonight. A church I grew up in sure would. All right, we'll wait outside. You go in there and stay for 20 minutes or a half hour. No problem. I remember you go in there. Smell like an old church. What is that? And you go up there and you sit down in a pew and and you can feel it. I remember the night, I'll make this brief because I don't want to go into this. I really don't. But I was in a church, a new building one night. I came in late by myself. I'd been somewhere on a trip and I was bothered by something. So I parked outside. I went in through my office, came up the back stairs and into the sanctuary. And so I was sitting there in, in the front pew and I was praying. It was just very dark. I could see lights through the windows and things. Then suddenly I sensed the presence, something that literally made the hair on the back of me. So I stood up, and I could hear these thoughts. Not a voice, but something said, turn around, and you'll see the devil. I remember standing, I think, blood of Jesus. I did. I'm telling you well what I remember Okay, Hamilton, be tough. Turn around and let him have it. So I got here and I went downstairs and went down and got my car and went home. I wasn't ready for that. I wasn't expecting that. But there's been so many different kinds of spirits in religious houses that they wait for the opportunity in those houses to find that person who is resisting the Lord occupy. And when they come in, you don't know it. You didn't go, ah, what did I get? You just sit there and you just notice a trend in your life of indifference from then on. You begin to do things you wouldn't once do, things you years ago would have rebuked and prayed about. Now you don't pay much attention to it because that spirit never stops seeking a habitation. They look for a warm body so they can manifest. And sometimes they go in, a religious spirit can come in and bring with it a spirit of infirmity or a spirit of confusion or a spirit of sleeplessness or marital discord, and they come in. Or sexual uncleanness, all kinds of spirits. They hang around places like this. We bring them in here a lot of times. They don't even know it. And unless we are alert to these things and become aware of these things, we get snared by them. Far too many people have come a long way to start drifting back. Something has poisoned something, and the devil's taken ground again, taken back his ground. Now, in closing, as I finish this morning, I want you to consider I don't know if I should finish now or wait till next week because if I have four or five things that, that this is what a Christian should do in light of what's going on, this is what we can do. Let me give you the first one, and I think I'll stop. First thing that we have to do in being programmed by the Lord and having our mind fixed, set, and informed right, it is essential. It is essential, first of all, to know that God is in control. Theologically speaking, that God, in his providence, in his divine providence, exercises his sovereign control over all of creation, that what he has designed, he sustains, he preserves, and he directs. He gave man a free will, and man is entitled to use his will. That's how he corrupts himself. But a part of God's plan is to give you your will, and God knows how with events and things in your life, that as you use your will, it only points you in the direction and life in the direction that God's going to bring it to. Folks, God is in control. I know in whom I have believed, and I'm convinced that I don't have to worry about my tomorrows, that God is already in my tomorrows, that there is a place in heaven reserved for me. I am going there because he's in control. I can trust him. Well, there's a lot more to say. I'm going to wait. I'm in no hurry. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus This morning, we are thankful. Dear God, we are thankful for light, for information from heaven, that you have not left us empty and void of what to do or how to cope or what decisions are right. You haven't left us without that. We're not walking aimlessly and hopelessly down here on this earth in these days. You've given us light. You've opened our eyes to show us things. Now give us a heart to embrace those things and to act like it's true. I ask you to look upon all of those that are here today, those watching, wherever people are, that we might realize that we are engaged in a great war on this earth, an end-time war. The prize of the devil is our souls and the souls of men to destroy as many and to corrupt as many as he can. We ask this morning that the things you've taught us would not escape us, but they would become our life and our strength that we would rely on, depend on, and hold fast to the promises that you've made in your word. Not only that we ourselves might escape but that we, as it says in the book of Jude, will be able to snatch out of the fire those that are closest to hell. Let grace abound toward us. Oh, God, we need it. Minister to us in such a way. Bless our time together, I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 i to keep up all